Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel Record of Mark. Turn with me, if you wouldn't mind, to the Gospel Record of Mark, Mark and chapter number 1. Mark and chapter number 1. We're continuing with our series of the Gospel Record of Mark, taking this Gospel Record and exploring the life of of Jesus Christ. Now we've already explained that each one of the gospel records shows Jesus in a different perspective. We know the gospel record of Matthew shows Jesus as the lion of the tribe of Judah and it portrays Jesus as the fulfillment of Hebrew prophecy. It shows him that he was the fulfillment of all those Old Testament prophecies. He was the Messiah that was predicted to come. The Gospel record of Luke portrays Jesus as the perfect man. It was written to the Greek mind, and it was to show that Jesus Christ was the perfect man. He was the God-man. And the Gospel record of John, which soars high above all the rest of them, It shows Jesus as the eagle. It portrays him as the eagle and shows Jesus as God written to the entire world that the whole world can know that Jesus is God. And then we come to the gospel record of Mark, which shows Jesus and he's portrayed as the ox and he is shown as the perfect servant. And through it, we see this idea of continual action, that Jesus is the man of action. It's written to the Roman mind who respected action. And we could see Jesus doing this and going to this and doing this and working in here. And what we have today is a snapshot of a typical day in the Lord Jesus Christ's life. And so if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel record of Mark, chapter number 1. The Gospel Record of Mark, chapter number 1, and notice with me in verse number 21. The Gospel Record of Mark, chapter 1, and verse 21, the Word of God says this. And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone! What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee whom thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, and come out of him." And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of them. And they were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commanded he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. 
And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and anon they uh, they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. And at even, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased, and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases, and cast out many devils, and suffered not the devils to speak, because they knew him. And in the morning, rising up a great while before the day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. And Simon and they that were there followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, there, <laughs> that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all of Galilee, and cast out devils. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, Thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. And straightway he straightly charged him, and forthwith sent him away. And saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But he went out and began to publish it much, and Blaze brought the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places, and they came to him from every corner. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the gospel record of of Mark chapter 1. The gospel record of Mark chapter 1, and notice with me in verse number 35, and in the morning, rising up a great while before day. And with this, I want to show you a typical snapshot of Jesus's long day. That's what I'd like to preach you right here today. Jesus's long day. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. A God who's indeed worthy of worship, worthy of adoration, worthy of praise. You're worthy of us taking time to speak to you. You're worthy of us taking time to be with you. Worthy of us taking time to get to know you. I'm asking that as all of us are busy. And the more things that we have, the busier we get. Help us to remember to put you first. And we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Without a doubt, we are busy people. Everyone's busy people. We all have things to do. In fact, we invent time-saving devices. And instead of the time-saving devices give us more time, we actually use that time to do more things to be busy. 
We're a type of people who are impatient. We're a type of people who want things done instantly. We're a type of people who find things to do and put more things on us to do. And we've lost the ability to relax a lot of the times. We've lost our ability. We have to get this done. This has to be taken care of. This needs to be done. And we're people who are busy people. Our days are full. Now, we know that we live in unusual time, and maybe you may be at a place where you're less busy than ever, or you may be like me and some other folks, you may be more busier than ever. But in our normal schedules, we are busy people without a doubt. Well, if you don't mind, I'd like you to take a snapshot with me and look at Jesus's busy day. Now this is a picture of a typical day, not an unusual day, a typical day with Jesus Christ during his earthly ministry. Let's look at some of the things that Jesus did during his busy day. The very first thing that happened is that he went to the synagogue and taught the Bible. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse 21. And they went into Capernaum And straightway, so immediately on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught. So here we're taught that he goes into Capernaum, and when it was the appropriate time, he gathered together at the Lord's house. Now the Hebrew people met a different day than we do, but it's equivalently, he went to church. And when he was at church, he preached. Well, that's great. A lot of people don't realize how much preaching takes out of you. People who have studied such things say the spiritual attack that occurs and the spiritual pressure of preaching, that preaching one sermon puts enough stress on the body that normally is equivalent to eight hours of normal work. That's what some people who are smarter than me say. That one sermon done right in the power of God with the spiritual pressure puts enough stress on the body that it's equivalent to eight hour workday, one message. So here's Jesus. He goes to the synagogue and he teaches the Bible. But notice this, if you don't mind, in verse 22. And they were astonished. At his doctrine. That means they were amazed. When Jesus is teaching. They're going. Wow. This is good stuff. We've never heard someone preach like this. This is amazing. Verse 22. And they were astonished at his doctrine. Why? For he taught them. As one that had authority. And not as the scribes. Now the Hebrew teachers at this day. The scribes of the Pharisees. When they would teach the Bible. It was more of an idea of what if. It was more of an idea that some people say this. And some people say this. And they try to leave it to the idea. That they want the listener to come to their own conclusions in the matter. And the reason why they came to this idea of teaching. Is because they had their book of the law, then they had commentaries on the book of the law, then they had commentaries on the commentaries, and usually they would preach from the commentaries of the commentaries. And so it got to the idea that it was man's opinion, man's thought. This is what we think about this passage, and this is how we think we go. And so normally people who taught in synagogues at this time was not thundering, thus saith the Lord. They were saying, we believe this said this, and some people say this, and we kind of think that this is what it really means. But when Jesus opened up the Bible, he said, this is what the Bible says, and this is what we ought to do about it. People weren't used to listening to that type of preaching. You mean we're actually supposed to respond to God's word? There's something I'm supposed to do with this? He would take the Bible... 
read the text, explain the text, and apply the text. And people said, I haven't heard preaching like this before. This is amazing. This is wonderful. And he would take the Bible and he would preach it with authority. This is what God's word says. And because of God's word saying this, this is what you should do. Jesus never failed to give an invitation. He always made it so there was an application to his message. What should you do because you heard this message? And so in Jesus' long day, we could see that first of all, he went to the house of God and he taught the word of God. And he taught it with authority, which is enough to take a strain in the body anyways. But his day wasn't over. Notice what occurs during the church service. Notice with me in verse 23. And there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. So Jesus is teaching. So as Jesus is teaching, all of a sudden this guy with an unclean spirit, a demon, stands up in the middle of the church service and begins to scream and say, Let us alone! What do we have to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Now, most of you have probably never participated in a church service like that. We even have the advantage of meeting together online that most of you can't communicate with me right now. But can you imagine everyone gathered together in a building? The preacher is thundering forth. The preacher is saying, thus saith the Lord. The preacher is saying, this is what the Bible says. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the message... A man stands up in the middle of the message and says, let us alone. Can you imagine that? The preacher's preaching and some guy stands up and says, leave me alone. Stop talking. Well, that would be kind of different in a church service, wouldn't it? Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Leave us alone. What do you have to do with us? Why can't you just leave me alone? That's a different type of church service, wouldn't it? Someone to get up and start screaming at the preacher. What are you doing to me? Stop preaching. It hurts. Notice this. He he gets up and he's still yelling. He says, art thou come to destroy us? So imagine, if you don't mind, the preacher's preaching. This guy gets up and says, listen, stop preaching. Why are you trying to hurt me? Are you trying to destroy me? Are you trying to kill me? How would you react if you were in a church service like that? Probably everyone shocked and awe. Well, this is different. This isn't how things are supposed to go. But the guy gets up and begins to yell at Jesus. And begins to accuse Jesus of trying to destroy him. Jesus is just preaching. Well, by the way, everyone needs their uh, toes stepped on every once in a while by the preacher. But this demon was having a hard time of it. He even admits who Jesus is. I know thee who thou art, holy one of God. Now, can you imagine? You're in a synagogue with a lot of people who have not believed who Jesus is. They, they're waiting for their Messiah. But all of a sudden, this demon-possessed guy gets up and says, I know who you are. You're Jesus. You're the holy one of God. Well, that's a different service. Now, by the way, if you were thinking about what would you do in that situation, this also takes a lot out of a person. This is spiritual attack. But notice as Jesus deals with them. How does he deal with this guy? 
Verse number 25. And Jesus rebuked him saying, hold thy peace and come out of him. Now, I want you to imagine your mind. Church service. Jesus is preaching. The preacher's going at it. A guy stands up and says, why are you trying to kill me? Why? Why are you going on? I know who you are. And Jesus says, that's enough. You're done. And all of a sudden, the, the demon comes out of the guy in the middle of the thing. In the middle of the service. Hold thy peace. Come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice and came out of him. So the guy is standing there. Jesus says, stop. Come out of him. And all of a sudden the demon tears out of him, which is not a pleasant process. And the guy screams, ah, everyone's watching. I'm sure that they're not, uh, everyone's attention is on this matter here. No one's trying to see their cell phones and trying to see what's on Facebook. Everyone's trying to figure out what's going on. What's happening. What's occurring here. And verse 27 and they were all amazed. Insomuch they questioned among themselves, said, What thing is this? You would ask the same thing. What just happened? What's going on? This isn't what church is supposed to be like. It's never happened like this before. This is different. Well, this is just a normal day for Jesus. He's preaching the Bible. A demon has an objection. Come out of him. The, uh, the demons tore him out of the guy. The guy's now healed. Everyone's going, okay. What just happened? Well, that's just the second thing that happened out of this list. His day's not over. It's just now beginning. So he starts off by going to the synagogue and teaching the Bible. The second thing that happens is he healed a man with an unclean spirit. That's the second thing that's happened today. Notice, if you don't mind, what else occurs? Verse number 28, and immediately his fame spread across throughout all the region of Galilee. Verse number 29, and forthwith, that means immediately after leaving church. So they get done, they, he preaches a message, the demon-possessed man gets up and objects in church and begins to have an interaction. Then after that, immediately after that, of course people are talking, they have to get the services back going, they end the services, they're shaking hands, you can imagine everybody shaking hands with Jesus on the way out, thank you for the message, good thing, thank you for being here today, I'll see you next time. They say their goodbyes, and immediately after leaving the house of God, immediately after leaving the synagogue, verse 29, and forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew and James and John. So he goes on visitation. He's going to go follow up with a, a lady who didn't make it the synagogue that day. Well, we need to go find out. Why did she miss church? Let's go follow up with her. So they do a follow up. Verse 30. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and Anon they tell her. Now, let me pause here and just kind of kick a cat going a different direction. Some people say that, that Peter could not, or that he was the first pope, and the qualification of being a pope is that he could not be married. In verse number 30, it said, Simon's wife's mother. You know, it'd be very horrible to have a mother-in-law not get married. Here, we could see that he was married, Simon's wife's mother. He had a wife, and his wife had a mother. And she's sick. And guess what? Simon's mother, or Simon actually cared for his mother-in-law. That's a good thing. 
But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and anon they tell him of her. So they go and make a visitation, figure out what's going on. And they said, oh, she's sick. And they immediately tell Jesus, oh, she's sick. She's, she's a fever. She's not doing well. We, she may die. Verse 31. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. So the third thing that happens is immediately going after church, they go on visitation. And as they go on visitation, they ended up healing. That wasn't the plan, but he ended up healing Simon Peter's mother-in-law and taking care of her. But the day is not over yet. That sounds like a pretty fulfilled day. If that was your day, that would be enough to make you tired, even if you weren't preaching. Could you imagine how, how amazed you'd be of just watching the church service? So they had Jesus' preaching. Then after that, he healed a guy and tore, uh, tore out an uh, evil spirit in the midst of the service. Then after service, he went on visitation, went and healed Simon Peter's mother. But it's not over yet. Notice something else that happens in verse number 32. And at even when the sun did set. So the day's still going on. The sun is set. A brand new day in the Hebrew calendar. Before us, we could imagine the sun is set and Jesus' work is not over with yet. And at even when the sun did set, so it's night, they brought unto him all. Notice that word all. All that were diseased and them that were possessed of devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. So, can you imagine this? Jesus has already preached. It's taken out of him. After he's preached, or while he's preaching, someone stands up and objects. And he tears out the demon from the guy. After that, he goes to uh, Simon Peter's house. Find out that Simon Peter's mother-in-law is sick. He heals her. And then after dinner is set, uh, the, his mother, uh, Simon Peter's mother-in-law made them food, ministered to them, cooked for them, served them. Then... A knock on the door. Hey, is Jesus here? Yeah, let me go get him. Jesus comes out and the guy says, hey, this is uh, my brother. He's got the droopsies. He's got the dropsies. He needs to be healed. Can you heal him? And Jesus takes care of him. And after that, another person comes and says, hey, here's my sister. She's got a broken leg. Can you heal that? He heals that. And next thing you know, the entire town starts to come. The entire city is outside of the door. And Jesus healed all that was diseased. All that was possessed of devils. And by the way, that just didn't take a couple minutes. This took a while. Spiritual warfare is going on. The, pe- the men or people possessed with demons, they're not going quietly. I mean, this is spiritual warfare. It's things going on. He worked late at night helping people and stood in the midst of spiritual warfare. Verse 34. And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. Notice that word many. Many that were sick. Many uh, cast out many devils. This is a long time. He's working late into the evening. Some of you would already turn into pumpkins now. The sun is, is, is already set. It's dark. And yet people are outside the door. Asking for his work. So imagine this day. This is a fulfilled day. 
He preaches at the house of God that morning. In the midst of the message, someone stands up and objects. They deal with that. They cast out the demon out. After that, he goes on visitation. He heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law. She ends up making a meal. And at that night, people start to come and knock on the door. And everyone wants to see Jesus. And Jesus didn't turn anyone away. But he took time for them all. After that, when you want to sleep in. After that, when you need a day off. Well, notice what happened to Jesus. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 35. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Jesus said, I need to spend time with God. He had a busy day. And wasn't he doing a lot of things for God? But you understand that sometimes we can get to the place where we spend so much time doing things for God that we fail to spend time with God. Spending time with God is the most important thing. That before Jesus started a new day, he needed that time with God. He had to have that devotional life. Even Jesus Christ, who was God, took time in his busy day to spend in prayer. Now, all of us have busy days, but you understand that you can't survive unless you spend time with God. That time with God is the most critical time. You need to fight for that time, guard that time, because that's where you're going to get your strength. That's where you're going to get your help. That's where you're going to get what you need to continue to go on. That's where you're going to get your wisdom. That's where you're going to get your answers. You have to spend time with God. Jesus had a late night. It was after the sunset before people started knocking on the door. And all the city came and everyone wanted to be healed. He probably not, did not get to bed until late. But yet, he had enough discipline and knew he needed it enough. He woke up early in the morning, a good, a great while before day. That means before the sun came up, he was already out of his bed. He was already up and having his devotions with God. Spending time praying. Even though he went to bed late, he said, I needed to spend that time with God. This was the secret. Now, we know that Jesus is God, but he was Jesus, God, robed in flesh. He dwelt in this same body as you and I, so he could live the same life. He didn't cheat. Where did he get his source of strength? He got it from that devotional time, that prayer time with God. That was the most important time. And guess what happened? The next day, it happened again. And then the next day, it happened again. He had another busy day. If you read all the way from 37 down to 45, guess what he does? He's healing the sick. He's casting out demons. He's doing the work. He has another busy day. And this is a typical day for Jesus during his earthly ministry. For three and a half years. And yet he still saw it so important that he rose up a good while before morning. And he spent time to pray. And so I want to give you a reminder now. The greatest thing you could do today is to spend time with God. Your Bible reading and your prayer life. How is your prayer life? We sang a song earlier, sweet hour in prayer, sweet hour in prayer. Could you sing that honestly? Have you ever spent an hour in prayer with God? 
How is your prayer life? Is that where you get your source of relief? For those of us who are in the habit of praying, we can tell the days that we don't pray. We can tell how messed up our days are. We can tell how much resistance we have in our day. But when we spend time with God, God gives us a promise in the book of James that God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. What does that mean in concerns to prayer? If you try to live your day without God's help, that's pride to think that you could do it on your own. And what's going to happen is that you're going to be resisted. Even the good things you try to do are going to be harder because you're trying to do it in your own flesh. You're trying to do it on your own, under your own power and your own strength. The Bible says, He resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. That when you say, God, I need your help. God, I need your wisdom. God, I don't know what to do. God will help you through your day. God can help you with the things that you were not planning for. Have you ever had something unexpected hit? Maybe a fender bender. Maybe a blown tire. Maybe a bill that you weren't expecting. You know how you can handle those things? When you've already spent time with God. When you're already depending on God. One of the most important things we have to do is guard that prayer life. Sometimes people will say, well, I'm too busy to pray. Well, if you're too busy to pray, you're just too busy. There's something that needs to be changed in your life in order for you to get a hold of God, for you to be dependent upon God. This is the whole idea here is what strength are you depending on? Are you trusting in God's strength? Or are you trusting in your strength? Now you say, well, I have unusual days. You may be home at quarantine. You may be at home doing nothing right now. Well, guess what? You've got a lot of time to pray. For those who are busy, let me tell you, you've got to guard that prayer time. All of us know what we're talking about. That so many things will start entering your life immediately. You know why Jesus woke up a good while before morning, before day? It's because as soon as sunlight hit, he was going to be busy. People were going to start calling. If you could imagine Jesus texting. Everyone was trying to get a hold of Jesus starting right away in the morning. He had to get to the time before people needed him. Maybe you're a parent. And parents, you require a lot of wisdom from God. You have to get up before the kids and spend time with God so you could deal with the kids. Maybe you have a job that starts off early. You say, I may not be conscious enough to read my Bible, but you need to get that time to pray before you get to work. You need to get that time and then get your Bible reading in sometime. But you have to have that communion with God. You have to start off that day with God. You need Him. Don't try to live your day without relying on Him. And so we come to this passage here and give a snapshot of Jesus' long day, which is not a single day, but it is typical of day after day after day. And he gives us the secret. He gives us the pattern that before he started his day of dealing with people, he spent time, a great time, of being with God early in the morning to prepare his own heart to face the day. And so, dear friend, this is what I'm encouraging you to do. This is what I'm inviting you to do, is I want you to set up your time with God. I want you to look in your schedule and find out when can you put in that prayer time with God.
If you have to be at work at six, then maybe you have to wake up a little bit earlier. I know that's something we don't want to hear, but you have to have that time with God. You have to guard that time with God. Maybe you're a shift worker. I know that's difficult, but you have to guard that time with God. You have to fight for that time with God. Maybe you're just a busy person and wants to start getting things done right away. You have to fight for that time with God. So I want to ask you, when do you meet with God in your morning? When do you set that time aside and say, God, this is when I'm going to be with you. This is when I'm going to pray with you. This is when I'm going to commune with you. When are you at the place where you realize, I cannot live this life on my own. I must tell Jesus, I need him every hour. I need to have that sweet hour of prayer. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 920- Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.